morning. How is everybody? One at a time starting over there. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm really encouraged. Uh, I know that I haven't said that a lot recently, but for real. And I want to share with you some of the things that were really encouraging to me. If I can only get my laptop to Okay. So first of all, can we greet our American Fork Extension Campus? Come on. Hi, guys. They're just tearing it up down there. It's really exciting. If you ever get a chance to go down there and hang out with them, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. God's moving in Utah County. Amen. We prayed for this for years. I'm sure many of you have prayed for years and years that God would move in that county. And he's doing it. So today, um, you know, we've been talking about from Genesis to Jesus, finding God in, or Jesus in the book of Genesis, and we've been kind of focusing on Joseph. And I know last week was super heavy, and it was talking about seduction and temptation and suffering and everything. Today's message is completely different than that. Um, we're going to talk about dreams. And let me just tell you, there's a lot of weird teaching about dreams on the internet. So be careful. But I think because there are 40 mentions or almost 40 instances of dreams, you know, Chris was talking about angels. So there's obviously God used angels, but God also uses dreams. He used dreams throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So we're going to talk about that. I want to make clear, though, this is not talking about dreams as in, oh, those are my dreams and my visions and goals for my future. It's not that kind of dreams. You know, like, oh, my dream is to someday be a, a Broadway singer. I mean, I don't know, you know, whatever your particular dream, that's not mine. But um, anyway, so what we're talking about is dreams when you're sleeping and your subconscious is still going. That's what we're going to talk about today. Are you guys interested in this? How many of you dream? How many of you remember your dreams? Okay. So studies have, have shown that we are all dreaming all the time when we're sleeping. I don't know how they prove that. And I also don't know how, the, you know, they, they always say, oh, only one in 10 people actually dreams in color. Well, how can you gauge that? I don't know. Somebody probably has an answer, but I don't know how. Anyway, what we're going to talk about today is different kinds of dreams that we have and the purpose for each of them. And we're also going to talk about how following seasons of suffering and hardship and trial, God being a God of hope brings us into a new season, often of harvest and favor and blessing. Isn't that good news? So, so last week, we talked a lot about suffering, but this week we're going to talk about what follows that suffering and the promises in the Bible concerning that, and specifically um, using Joseph as our example. So um, would you pray for me and with me as we go into God's word together? Lord, you know my heart, God, I, um, I just love your word so much. I thank you, Lord, that your promise is to give us everything we need for life and godliness. Lord, I thank you that all the promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you promise to provide for all of our needs according to your riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you that your promise is that if we seek you with all of our hearts, we will find you, Lord, and that you have promised that if we ask you for wisdom, you will give it generously without finding fault. So this morning, Lord, I just offer myself to you to be used for your glory, Lord. Let me speak clearly, Lord. Let me speak as though speaking the very words of God. Lord, help me to move through my notes in a way that will honor you and glorify your name and lift you up. And I pray for the listeners, Father, that you would give them wisdom and understanding, Lord, and a practical application of your word, because that's really what's, what the purpose is, Lord, not just to know it, but to be able to apply it to our lives. Help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, um, how many of you... 
How many of you read the Proverbs on a regular basis? Good for you. You know the saying, a proverb a day keeps the devil away. (laughs) Wish that was true. Um, A proverb a day doesn't keep the devil away all the time, but... This is, I was so encouraged this morning. Um, this, is, this is Proverbs chapter 2. So if you don't read a proverb a day, you know, there's 31 of them, so one a day. Um, so if, you're, if you haven't been reading them, you can start today and you're only one day behind. So, um, But here is the promise of the Lord from, from Proverbs chapter 2, which is really the, the sole purpose of chapter 2 is about seeking wisdom, about digging for wisdom. It says that, you know, it's, it's as if it was a hidden treasure. You know, I often ask people, what would you do if I told you there was a million dollars right there? What would you do? Would you just leave and go, yeah, I'll probably check on that later? Would you? If I said there was a million dollars in the glove compartment of your car, what would you do? <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't sit there, you know, oh, maybe next month I'll look see if it's actually there. You would go immediately. And that's, how, that's what the Bible says about wisdom, that we should seek for it as for hidden treasure, as for gold, or as for anything that's precious. So it says in Proverbs 2, verse 6, it says, For the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. He is a shield to those who walk with integrity. He guards the paths of the just and protects those who are faithful to him. Then you will understand what is right, just and fair, and you will find the right way to go. I love this. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. Wise choices will watch over you and understanding will keep you safe. Amen? Good stuff, huh? Yes? So I just encourage you, if you don't read the Proverbs, um, just give it a try. Because isn't that such a sweet promise? It says, wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will fill you with joy. What an awesome promise. And so concerning what we're talking about today, I want us to have wisdom and knowledge and understanding as we talk about dreams You know, I don't want to just talk about dreams as like this kind of nebulous thing, but I think too often we dismiss our dreams. I do. I think we we just kind of go, oh, that was just a weird dream. But today, as we kind of dig into the the story of Joseph Joseph and his interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams, I want you to learn something about your dreams and maybe become a little more conscious and cognizant of what the Holy Spirit might be speaking to us in our dreams. So we're going to start, first of all, with uh, Pharaoh's dreams in Genesis 41. It says, two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. Then he saw seven more cows come up behind them from the Nile, but these were scrawny and thin. These cows stood beside the fat cows on the riverbank. Then the scrawny, thin cows ate the seven healthy, fat cows. At this point in the dream, Pharaoh woke up. Okay? He woke up, it says. But he fell asleep again and had a second dream. This time, he saw seven heads of grain, plump and beautiful, growing on a single stalk. Then seven more heads of grain appeared, but these were shriveled and withered by the east wind. And these thin heads swallowed up the seven plump, well-formed heads. Then Pharaoh woke up again and realized it was a dream. The next morning, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dreams. So he called for all the magicians and the wise men of Egypt. When Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell him what they meant. Finally, the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Today I've been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. Some time ago you were angry with the chief baker and me, and you imprisoned us in the palace of the captain of the guard. One night the chief baker and I each had a dream, and each dream had its own meaning. There was a young Hebrew man with us in the prison who was a slave of the captain of the guard, and we told him our dreams. He told us what each of our dreams meant, and everything happened just as he predicted. 
I was restored to my position as cupbearer, and the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. Didn't go so well for him. Somebody pointed out to me last week, notice it's the cupbearer and the baker, the bread and the wine, maybe. Interesting, huh? I don't know why the chief baker was executed and impaled on a pole. But anyway, um, moving on. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once, and he was quickly brought from the prison. So remember, Joseph has been imprisoned for attempted rape that he didn't commit. He was falsely imprisoned, okay? It says, after he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night, and no one here can tell me what it means. But I've heard when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. Here's what Joseph says. I love this. He's so humble. He says, it is beyond my power to do this. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. So here's the thing. So most of the talk that is about dreams is online, and a lot of it, as I mentioned, is super weird. And so I wouldn't recommend that you um, go on any websites that are talking about dreams that are not rooted in biblical interpretation. Even some of those are a little strange. But, but what are the different types of dreams? You know, I asked how many of you dream. How many, how many of you have, like, dreams that you specifically and clearly remember? How many of you have recurring dreams? How many of you have dreams about your teeth falling out? See, I've heard this is a really common thing. Apparently, dreams about your teeth falling out means that you're um, feeling out of control or feeling like you're losing power. Um, Throughout the Bible, as I mentioned, there are almost 40 instances of dreams about and about hearing the voice of the Lord through dreams. For example, when Abimelech, the, the Lord or the Holy Spirit came to him in a dream and said, hey, you are hitting on someone else's wife and you need to stop it. Remember that? God warned him in that way. Remember, um, God found out, or uh, jo- Joseph in the New Testament found out that Mary was in fact pregnant by the Holy Spirit. So remember that gave him some comfort, calmed his distress. You know, there's, there's a lot of different examples of dreams and how God uses dreams. Um, the first type of dream that I think we have is just kind of, a, it's like a soulish dream, just kind of like there's a lot on your mind, and so your, dream kind of, your dreams kind of reflect that. I don't necessarily know that these have any spiritual significance. Typically, the, these are the kind of dreams that are not very impactful, the kind of dreams that kind of start to dissipate as the day wears on. Like you wake up in the morning and you're thinking about this dream. You're like, oh, I had this weird dream. And, you know, and then you kind of forget what the details were. And then pretty soon you're like, oh, I had a dream, but I, I can't remember what it was. You know, do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's those dreams and it's just kind of stuff happens. Um, it says in Ecclesiastes 5.3, it says too much activity gives you restless dreams. Too many words make you a fool. Um, So too much activity. So when you have a lot on your mind, you know, you start to have kind of strange dreams. The thing to do is to examine, first of all, can you remember your dream? I think that's a significant thing. If your dream is is one that that you really remember, not just like, oh, that was kind of crazy, but maybe the Lord might be speaking to you through that. You have to think about what are my emotions upon waking up. I had a friend who had a little mini tape recorder, and whenever he would wake up in the morning, he would grab his little, or even throughout the middle of the night, he would record his dreams. And he said so many times during the day, he would play it back, and he would be astonished at what he had dreamt about because he didn't even remember it anymore. Um, You should ask yourself, is there some symbolism in this? Is there a repeated message or is there something that I should maybe take note of? For example, um, I've heard that like being on a bike or being on a train or driving has to do with the path of your life. Obviously, it seems pretty self-evident, but as you're driving and and there's something symbolic about that, um, the teeth falling out, as I mentioned powerlessness. I guess um, the wrong shoes, having the wrong shoes on or no shoes at all 
um, is an indication that you feel stressed or unprepared for something. And I have that one as a personal example. Back, um, oh, it was a long time ago. It was probably 20, 21 years ago. I... Um, had an offer to sing for the king and queen of Norway in the uh, Norwegian embassy. And so I was preparing for that. And I had to sing a bunch of songs with a full band. And I had, um, and I had to sing this one song in Norwegian. And that stressed me out the most. I mean, I'm singing for all these people who have Norwegian as their first language. And I had this recurring dream for the weeks prior to that, that I was on a train and I had on my black formal and my little rhinestones and my hair was all done and I looked down and I had on these hideous brown boots. (laughs) In the dream, it caused me so much stress. So now I don't necessarily think that that was the Lord trying to give me some kind of warning or, you know, I don't think there was anything necessarily that symbolic about that other than I was clearly stressed by it and it kind of seeped into my dreams. Um, It says in Isaiah 29, 8, a hungry person dreams of eating but wakes up still hungry. A thirsty person dreams of drinking but is still faint from the thirst when morning comes. These are just dreams about kind of normal stuff, right? Okay. The second kind of dream is demonic dreams. Now, I'll just say right up front, I do not believe that people who are filled with the Holy Spirit can be demon-possessed. However, remember when we talked about in Ephesians chapter 6 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness? There are demonic forces that will try to affect us. And I believe that sometimes even in our dreams. And I think it's more punctuated if you're opening yourself up, maybe through horror movies or porn or other things. I think if you're opening yourself up to that spiritual realm or smoking weed, because there's something very spiritual about unlocking those sections of your brain. And I think you are opening yourself up for demonic dreams if, you know, if you're not careful. Now, have you ever heard about people who are paralyzed in the middle of the night? Like night terrors and they're like paralyzed. I've heard from so many people that the only thing that helps them is to call out on the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus has power. It causes the demons to flee. There are so many examples of this throughout the New Testament, throughout especially the Gospels. And it says, um, in Acts chapter 16, 16, it says, One day as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future. Okay, this is a spirit, right? This is not the Holy Spirit. This is a spiritual thing. Fortune telling, tarot cards, um, dream interpretations, all of those things involve something spiritual. And so I just warn you against those things. If you go to someone who does not know the Lord for your dream interpretation, it could be very destructive. It could lead you astray because the Bible says that the man without the spirit of God does not understand the ways of the spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. And he does not understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So be very careful very careful about opening yourself up spiritually in that way. And I also want to say, and please know my heart in saying this, if you're a person who's struggling emotionally or struggling with memories or just kind of needs some help and is getting counseling, please do not go to someone who doesn't know the Lord. Please, because Psalm 1 says, blessed is the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. And I'm not saying that your non-Christian counselor is wicked in that sense. I'm just saying, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, if you know Jesus as your Lord, then you have the word of God and you have other believers. There are great Christian counselors who will give you biblical counsel, but really 
the Bible and God's word and the spirit of the Lord are the only things that are going to really truly give you freedom. As a believer, just, do I sound too, am I sound too? Okay. Okay, so back to the, the demon-possessed girl. It says, um, it says, she earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these are servants, of, these men are servants of the Most High God. They have come, you, to, come to tell you how to be saved. Well, was that true? It was true. They were servants of the Most High God. They were telling people how to be saved. But it says, this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated, he turned around and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And instantly it left. There is power in the name of Jesus Christ. Never underestimate that power. And I know that it seems weird, you know, if you're in a situation and you feel like there's some spirit or in your dream you wake up and you're like, oh, that just was, there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. The third type of dream is the one we're really going to focus on today. These are dreams from God. These are dreams that are birthed by God and they are they are spoken to us with a, with a specific purpose. It says in Job 33, it says, For God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. So the word of God is telling us God is trying to speak to us through our dreams. But I think maybe we've become too cautious because we've seen some of the weird dream analysis and Freud and, you know, all the psychoanalysts and everything, and we're just, we don't want to go there. But we need to be open to the possibility that God speaks to us again and again in our dreams. And again, like Joseph said, only the Lord can give us the interpretation. So as we, as we dream and as we remember our dreams and maybe record them, you know, just pick up your audio messages and record your dream and ask the Lord, Father, are you trying to speak something to me? Is there something I need to know? Um, in Genesis 41, it says the next morning, it says Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dreams. But remember, these dreams are from God. So even though sometimes we can be disturbed in the middle of our dreams, that doesn't discount the fact that it might be a dream from God. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later, about some warnings that the Lord will bring. It says, so he called the uh, magicians, and, I was going to say musicians. <laughs> they would just be late. So um, it says, he called all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Sorry, I'm a musician too. So when Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell him what they meant. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. So keep in mind, again, when you have a dream, if you take it to someone who doesn't know the Lord and doesn't have the spirit of God, they are going to give you false information. So it says in Genesis 41, something, 15, I think. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night. No one here can tell me what it means, but I've heard that you hear about a dream. You can interpret it. Again, it is beyond my power to do this, but God can tell you what it means and set, your, or set you at ease. So how do we know if a dream is from God or not? How can we tell that without getting too strange and weird? Yeah, if you have a dream from God, even if he's warning you about something or speaking to you about something, God will give you the interpretation and it will give you ease. It will give you peace. It will give you hope. It won't keep you stirred up like that. Now, some, some people say that, oh, God had to use dreams just in the Old Testament because people didn't have the Holy Spirit then and so... But I can discount that in Acts 2, verse 16, where it says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. So here's the difference, okay, because it says that young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. I used to get those mixed up. I'd always say young men will dream dreams and old men will see visions. But if you think about it this way, the older you get, the more you love sleep, so you'd be a dream. And the younger you are, the more vision you have, right? So young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams. The difference between those two visions are when you're awake, but dreams are when you're asleep. It doesn't exempt young people from dreaming dreams. I'm not trying to say that. But remember, <coughs> excuse me, um, remember to always surrender and submit your dreams to the Lord. If you, if, you, if you think in any way that it's the Lord trying to tell you something. I remember one season of our lives, I had a dream and it was one of those dreams that I, re- I still remember it vividly as though it happened yesterday. And it was of someone stabbing one of my children to death in front of me. And um, at the time, this particular child of mine was involved with someone who was bringing a lot of death to them. And I really believed that the Holy Spirit wasn't just giving me that dream to traumatize me, but to warn me, because it really made me examine, what, what did that mean? And later on, I realized the Lord was warning me, and the Lord was calling me to sever this relationship. And so even though I was really distressed and disturbed by that dream, I really felt like the Lord used that to really point me in a right direction as far as interceding. The other thing about dreams is that I have been reading about thousands and thousands of Muslims who are coming to Christ in their dreams. Yeah, come on, yay God. Woo! Think about that. You know where people are always like, oh, what about all those who can't hear? What about those who never hear the gospel? How could God send them to hell? God will go to them in a dream. And all of them have said that it's this man who comes to them and says, I'm Jesus. There are so many stories. Isn't that so sweet? Isn't the Lord so nice? Um, Eric's grandmother had a, a really similar thing happen. She was living in Indonesia during the time that Japan was occupying Indonesia. And it was during World War II. And her husband was in a, in a military camp. And she was very, very worried about him. Now here she's living in Indonesia. So she, she doesn't know the Lord at all. She's living in this non-Christian nation. And she said she had a dream one night that this man came to her and he was wearing white and he came to her and he said, your husband is going to be okay. They are not going to kill him. And she said, well, what is your name? That's the Dutch accent. And he said to me, my name is Jesus. And I said, well, thank you, Jesus. And she said that that's how she came to Christ. In a dream. Yeah. Eric always used to have dreams about, uh, it was a re- this was a recurring dream. And this was one, this was a really, a, a really serious warning. But he would always have dreams that a lion would jump through our back door and would grab one of our kids or grab me and devour us in front of him. He recurringly had that dream. And we started to notice a pattern that any time we were under serious spiritual oppression or spiritual attack, that was when the lions would visit him in the middle of the night. And we began to see it right away. And God started to show us. And we started to pray against these attacks. And we started to pray that the Lord would reveal to us the direction and whatever. And it just alerted us. And it was so beneficial, even though it was terrifying for him. But remember, again, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. And so when that spiritual attack was upon us, God would speak that to Eric in a dream. 
And so moving on, talking about uh, Joseph interpreting Pharaoh's dreams, it says, so Joseph told, I mean, Pharaoh told Joseph his dream. And so, you know, it's just kind of a reiteration of that. And it says, and Joseph responded, both of Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God is telling Pharaoh in advance what he is about to do. Seven healthy cows and the seven healthy heads of grain both represent seven years of prosperity. The seven thin, scrawny cows that came up later and the seven thin heads of grain withered by the east wind represent seven years of famine. There's so much symbolism in here that I don't have time to go into. But it says, this will happen just as I have described it. For the Lord has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterward, there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt and famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe, even the memory of the good years will be erased. As for having two similar dreams, it means that these events have been decreed by God and he will soon make them happen. God gives the interpretation. You remember the story in Genesis 40 when the the cupbearer and the baker came to Joseph and they were in prison together. They were cellmates. And and they said, we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. And again, Joseph gives the glory to God. He says, interpreting dreams is God's business. Joseph replied, go ahead, tell me your dreams. And so the thing is, so all of the struggles that Joseph had and all of the hardship and the trials and the suffering and the rejection and the abandonment and the abuse and false accusation, all of that, he still remained faithful. He still continued to serve the Lord and God honored his faithfulness. And that's why I I can say it again. No matter what you go through, you know, we sang that song, nothing is impossible, nothing is impossible. And we sing, Jesus, you're all that I need. Is he really? If God strips everything away from us, everything, is he really all we need? So Joseph remained faithful for all these years. And because of a gift that God gave him, God gave him that gift to be able to interpret the dreams. But don't you think Joseph was on his face before the Lord crying out in desperation? Don't you think Joseph continued to seek the Lord even despite the trials? Don't you think that Joseph knew somehow that God was a God of hope? It says in Genesis 41, 33, therefore Pharaoh should find an, this is Joseph advising Pharaoh, Pharaoh should find an intelligent and wise man, put him in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh should appoint supervisors over the land and let them collect one-fifth of all the crops during the seven good years. Have them gather all the food produced in the good years that are just ahead and bring it into Pharaoh's storehouses. Store it away and guard it there will be and guard it so there will be food in the cities. That way there will be enough to eat when the seven years of famine come to the land of Egypt. Otherwise, this famine will destroy the land. Well, Joseph's suggestions were well-received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. Remember the proverb I read? It says that wisdom will enter our heart and knowledge will fill us with joy. And that's what's happening here to Joseph. It says, you will be in charge of my court and all people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge in the entire land of Egypt. And Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand, placed it on Joseph's finger, dressed him in fine linen clothing and hung a huge gold chain around his neck. I really wanted to make a joke about the gold chain, but I won't. Um, So moving on, I'm going to go through a few things. Um, Down to Genesis 41, verse 46, it says, he was 30 years old. Sound like anyone else? Remember Jesus started his ministry? He was 30 years old when he began serving in the court of Pharaoh. And it says in 
um, Genesis 41, 47. As predicted, for seven years, the land produced bumper crops. So Joseph heard the Lord, he interpreted the dreams, and he shared it, and God honored it, right? And it says, um, moving on, it says, God has made me forget all my troubles. Hallelujah. That even though he went through so much, it says, God has made me forget all my troubles. Such hope. In verse 40, or chapter 41, verse 52, it says, Joseph named his second son Ephraim. Ephraim sounds like a Hebrew name that means fruitful. For he said, God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. And I just grabbed onto that. Called out on the name of the Lord and said, I want to be fruitful in this land of my grief. Don't you? Don't you want to go through trials knowing that on the other side of it, God has good things for you? He has fruitfulness for you. He has a harvest for you. Remember in Hebrews 12 where it says, it says that no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but rather painful. Later on, however, it will produce a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Don't you want to be trained by your hardships like Joseph was? Don't you want to have a harvest of righteousness and peace? Ah, Be fruitful in your land of your grief. And I kind of was, I had a little bit of a rough week last week. And I've really been kind of examining the difference between depression and grief and what healthy grief looks like and, you know, not falling over into the side of depression. I think this week I was maybe towing the line a little bit. And uh, I woke up a couple mornings ago with this verse on my heart. Philippians 4, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Here is a really good um, formula for praying. First of all, don't worry. Second of all, pray. Third of all, Let your requests be made known to God. And fourth, thank him. Thank him for what he has done. It says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So it says in Genesis, the last seven years of bumper crops throughout the land of Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had predicted. The famine also struck all the surrounding countries, but throughout Egypt, there was plenty of food. Eventually, however, famine spread throughout the land of Egypt as well, and when the people cried out to Pharaoh for food, he told them, go to Joseph, do whatever he tells you. And it says in verse 57, And people came from all around Egypt to buy grain from Joseph because the famine was severe throughout the world. You know, it says in Proverbs 29 too, it says, When the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in power, they groan. And we have someone in our midst who has a story to tell, a story of, of faithfulness and favor. Um, I'm sure he will be the first to say that he, he wasn't perfect in everything he did, but I, I just want to highlight this so that you guys recognize that God is so faithful and to not lose heart no matter what. <clears throat> the, uh, the year was 2003, and we had just moved into this room, And uh, my husband and I had received a gift certificate to go to the Bohemian. So we were at the Bohemian having a date. And um, Eric got up to use the restroom. And all of a sudden, I started listening to this couple at the table next to me. And I heard them talking about the Lord. And so I kind of 
moved a little closer, and Eric came back to the table, and he started talking, and I'm like, shh, I'm eavesdropping. <laughs> Sitting there listening, and he's like, wow, this is a fun date, and I'm like, shh, listen to them. So then pretty soon, he moves his chair over, <laughs> and, <clears throat> and I don't know... I don't know how this happened, but the Lord, he, I guess he protected us because I talked to, to Kurt and Liz in between the services and they told me they were in a really bad place, which I'll let him share. But all I know is that I remember going, wow, they're Christians. So by the end of the night, Eric and I had moved over to their table and we pretty much had a double date with them. And so we were sitting at the table and God uh, just knitted our hearts together. God bonded our hearts and um, Kurt's just, received a huge honor, which I'm, I've asked him to tell you about because he doesn't, he's reluctant. He's too humble. But I really want him to tell you the story. So would you guys welcome Kurt Micah? <laughs> Woo! The, I want to... That was a, quite a night uh, meeting Eric and Jody for the first time. It was it was definitely God ordained because yes. Liz and I were sitting there, um, spitting out words of anger towards the church. We were so upset. I had just been fired from the church, and uh, I had two kids in college, uh, private school, private Christian school. Didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, we were just we were just devastated. Um, and that's how I met Eric and Jody, and um, they just came over to our table and just spoke words of life and and truth, words that I wanted to believe in, but I I didn't know if I could. But I'm going to give you the kind of the rest of the story. Um, the award she was talking about was the United Way Changemaker Award for 2017, and it was quite an honor. Um, at that time, I was just had started a company called Utah Partners for Health. Um, we had $1,000 for the first six months to make it go. Um, today, we're, uh, we have five clinics, a medical care, dental care, behavioral health, a mobile vision clinic, a mobile uh, medical clinic, and we, we've served over 100,000 people in need. Uh, and it's truly... Thanks. It's... It's truly something that, that God has done. I will be, there's just no question about it. I know myself. You can ask my wife. She knows me well. She knows this is a God thing. Um, but I feel like you need to hear the rest of the story. And, and I want you to focus on me or my story as I tell this, but focus on yourself and see yourself in the story and how you fit. Because this is about you and the plans that God has for you. God has plans for each one of you to give you a future and a hope. And um, he wants to give you a life beyond what you can even imagine now. That's his, that's his desire for you. Even if somebody came up and told you, it would be beyond your, beyond, beyond your dreams. God wants to give you, have you do great things for his kingdom and with your hands and your own feet. So I once asked God as a young believer, I said, Lord, um, you know, search my heart and see if there's any iniquity in, me, in, iniquity in me, like David prayed. And I expected an answer. I expected him to say, well, you did this wrong or you sinned in this area. And when I got back was one word. It was stereophonic. It was bass. It just completely rocked my ears. And it was the word pride. And I, I really didn't even know what the word pride meant. Um, but there are a few keys and basically, it, it means that I don't need you, God. I can handle this myself. Sure, I need you for salvation, but I can handle the easy stuff. I'm going to do what I want to do. And there's a few keys to this. We all have to be shaped and molded by God. I had been selfish, arrogant, a racist, and I was even fired, as I told you. The journey that we go through is not one we would necessarily choose, but God is in the business of molding us and making us into the image of Jesus to mold us and to glorify himself. And if you were as big a sinner as I was, that takes some molding, and molding takes some time. And we can walk through some valleys of darkness, just like Joseph did in prison, 
I, I know that I've experienced myself, but God is working in those things. He's working in your life. He wants to change you. Secondly, we, want, we get to participate this with, with, with God in this. And I believe that God's purposes are multi-level. First, he does everything in relationship with you. He enjoys you. He wants to walk with you. And his focus is on you more than anything you're ever going to do for him. His heart is for you. He wants to reveal himself to you. And second, he wants to accomplish his purposes through you. And I call these open doors. Everything of consequence that has ever happened to me is something I call just walking through an open door. But walking through the open doors doesn't take faith in the door that you're walking through or the opportunity you're walking through. It takes faith just trusting in, in the one who opened the door. God can certainly close doors. So I, I've always lived my life, if a door opens, I'm going to trust that that was a door that God wanted to, me to go through. I don't have to worry about it. But I can, and if it's not, I'm going to trust him to close that door as I'm trying to walk through it. He loves, and third, he loves people and his heart is for those who are in need. Throughout scripture, God speaks of taking care of the widow and the orphan, the immigrant, the foreigner. And that can be a metaphor of just anybody in need. God wants to use you to help people in need. And when Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. Unless we are connected to the vine, we just don't have that opportunity to make an internal impact. I just know that so well because I've seen that over in my life over and over. So to recap, God is in the process of molding you because he promises to make you look like Jesus. He wants to accomplish his purposes, but his first focus is you and his relationship with you. He is the master strategic planner. He will open doors for you to accomplish his purposes. Walk through those doors. Trust him to know what he is doing. And he wants to touch and bless people through you. To close, I want to give you some examples of my prayers to just show you how simple things can be. And you're welcome to take these prayers. These prayers come from a depth, depth of knowing, knowing who you are and how overwhelming life can be. And you don't know what to do. You don't know where to start. And you know, unless God intervenes, that you're going to be lost. So here they go. Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. Please help. Lord, you have to show me what to do. Lord, I need wisdom. Lord, open my mind. I say that so many times to God. I say, just open my mind. Lord, what are you doing and what do you want me to do? Lord, give me boldness and courage. One of my favorites we say this around my, my workplace all the time. It comes from my CFO, De- Debbie Turner, if you know her. Her favorite, and I stole it, was Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's so many things in life that you have to go through that you can't really have victory unless God infuses that power into you. And that is simply by just saying, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God wants to do something so amazing in your life. You wouldn't believe it even if you were told. Allow the molding, enjoy the relationship, trust God, and walk through those open doors and ask for his heart for those in need. Thanks. Wait, 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 wait. Kurt, Kurt, hold on. Could you stand as we honor the United Way Changemaker, recipient of the year 2017? God has honored him. Amen. You know it. You know it. Love you, Kurt. You can stay standing. Um, let's pray together. Let's just go before the Lord. Is, I mean, do you see the similarities between Joseph and Kurt? <laughs> I mean, it's pretty awesome, you know, how God has blessed him exceedingly abundantly. And so there's hope. With him, there is hope. 
So Lord, we come before you, God, and we thank you, Lord, that you are a God of hope and hope does not disappoint us. Lord, we thank you that you know all things and you do all things well. Lord, we thank you that you have created each and every one of us, Lord, and and that even before the foundations of the earth, Lord, you called us by name. Lord, that you prepared good works in advance for us to do, to bring you honor and glory, Lord. And, and we just surrender these things to you, Lord. We do ask, God, that just like those prayers that Kurt offered up, Lord, open up my mind. Lord, speak to me. Lord, what do I do? And now, Lord, we want to add to that too. Lord, speak to me in my dreams. Lord, speak to me and let me understand your voice. Let me hear your voice. As I submit these dreams to you, Lord, as we surrender our lives to you, Lord, we cry out for your spirit, Lord, and we ask, Lord, that um, you would forgive us, Lord, if, if there are doors that we're opening up that are preventing us from hearing your voice, even in our dreams, Lord, if we've opened ourselves up to the demonic in any way or or whatever, Lord, we ask that you would purify us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we want to be used for your glory. Nothing is impossible with you. And we bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. If you're someone who has um, never received the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offered on the cross, uh, I just want to say today is the day. And um, would you guys all indulge me? Can we just all pray together? And, And if that is you, if you have never been born again, by the spirit of the living God, I would just invite you to come up and talk to me after we're done praying here. But let's just pray a responsive prayer. I'll say something and then you repeat after me, okay? Lord, we thank you. We know that each one of us is a sinner. We have all fallen short of your glory. Lord, we all need a savior. We thank you for going to the cross for our sins. Thank you for your great and precious promises. That everything is yes and amen in you. And we thank you for dying for our sins. For pouring out your blood for our sins. And forgiving us. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you, in the name of Jesus, amen. Now, can we give him glory? Can we give him honor? We bless your name, Lord. You are so good, Lord. Thank you for changing our lives, God. Thank you for changing us, Lord, and speaking to us, God. We we worship your name. Bless you, Lord. So next week, um, we're going to be finishing up with Joseph. We're going to be talking about reconciliation. So it's going to be a powerful message. Bring your friends, bring your enemies, reconcile and bring them. (laughs) God bless you. Love you all.